Welcome to the Marketplace Awakening Podcast. We hope to inspire you to live out your life as salt and light in the marketplace. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for coming in today. Uh, it's, it's, it's a joy to be able to just share a quick word with you, and then I hope we can have a little bit of time to uh, interact at the end. I, I think I'll probably take about 20 minutes just to share a few, uh, some perspectives, uh, some things I'm reflecting on uh, for this season. Okay, so this just, uh, I wanted to share something uh, out of the Second uh, Kings chapter 6. I'll just read this little passage for you and then take you into the subject. Okay, here is Second Kings chapter 6, verse 15 to 17. Um, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, the army with horses and chariots has surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord. What shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. I like that. Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now the context of uh, this verse is, is that the king of Aram was at war with Israel. Now, things were not going very well uh, with the king of Aram in this battle because all the ambushes that he set up to attack Israel, they were frustrated again and again. And the reason is because all the intel that, uh, that came to Israel was given to the prophet Elisha. Now, many of us would agree, right, that intel that comes to the one who knows all things, sees all things, uh, they are 100% accurate. And so the king of Aram was frustrated again and again in all his efforts. So he got so upset that he sent a huge army to surround Dotham, you know, which is where Elisha was. And they surrounded the city by night. So can you imagine the, how mad the king must be to actually send a huge army to surround an entire city just to destroy one prophet? You know, and the, the enemies surrounded the city by night. So the next morning, the servant of uh, Elisha stepped out into the balcony, took one look at the army of horses and chariots, and he melted in fear. So he rushed into the house shouting, Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? And it's interesting to note that the man of God did not panic at all. But instead, he declared to the servant, Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. So the, the principle is this, that what we see then determines how we feel. What we see really determines how we feel. And I think um, um, what happened was the servants saw the enemies, but Elisha saw the armies of God. And, but what the prophet did next was very interesting, that instead of talking to the servant, Elisha actually spoke to God. And he did not give the servant a pep talk, a military plan or a motivational speech, but instead he prayed. So the question was, what did he pray? And, and I like this uh, prayer very much. He said, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And I think this is so critical because how we see things then determines how we do things. Then the next thing we know was that the Lord opened the servant's eyes and then he looked and he saw that the, field, the hills were full of horses and chariots of fire now all around Elisha. And so I want to suggest to you, uh, brothers and sisters, that this is what we need when we are faced 
with a crisis. Uh, we need to be able to view our crisis to the lens of who God is and what God says. And so one of the most important weapons I'd like to suggest to you that we have to actually go through COVID-19 is perspective. Uh, the word there is perspective. Uh, how we see things determines then how we do things. And what we see determines what we do. So the question then to ask uh, this afternoon would be, what do we need to see? And, and this is where I'd like to share with you uh, four very uh, important perspectives that I have uh, un uh, discovered for myself uh, through this season. Uh, the first would be that I think that crisis creates clarity. Uh, a crisis can create, uh, can, can um, clarify for us what is important and what is not so important. Uh, crisis help us to differentiate between what are the things that, that we need to have and what are the things that we re are really simply very nice to have. So one of the exercises that I've got my whole team uh, um, to do is to come up with a little chart that, that says what are the things that we will, um, as a result of COVID-19, what are some things that we will stop doing? Uh, what are some things that we will start doing? And what are some things that we want to sustain? So these three things are very helpful. Uh, as a result of this crisis, what are some things I want to start uh, stop doing? Uh, for example, one of those things I, I promised myself is that I will stop bringing my handphone to my dinner table. You know, I got scolded by my wife a couple of times already. And so as a result, I'm going to stop bringing my phone uh, to the meal table. Uh, so some things you want to stop doing. Uh, what are some things you want to start doing? So, and what are some things that you actually did as a result of the crisis and you found that it was very, very good and therefore you may want to sustain them. Uh, again, example, uh, one of those things that we were very excited about this year was in August. Um, in August, our church was due to have our annual discipleship conference. And this year, we managed to invite um, Ravi Zacharias and uh, actually Philip from Far East to actually come to our conference in August. We were all very excited about the conference. We're really looking forward to it. But now, as you know, uh, it's all gone. Uh, Ravi, in, in fact, has gone home uh, to be with the Lord, you know. And, but, you know, what we discovered was we realized that not having this big conference uh, actually is not going to sink our ship. It, it's a shame. Of course, we all look forward to it. We wanted it to happen, but uh, and unfortunately, it can't happen. But it's a shame, but it will not affect the church in a fundamental way. Uh, it was, uh, we realized that these nice big conferences and all that, they are nice to have, you know, but they are not fatal if we don't have it either. Uh, however, we discovered that if we do not have a strong, say, uh, cell group system, it will really sink our ship. Uh, if, if, our, if our cell groups were not strongly in place, we won't even know who is still there and who, who, who is not there, you know, uh, week, uh, week, week after week. Uh, every week we put up a nice live stream service Sunday after Sunday, but we really never know who is watching and, and who is not. But it's only because of um, a cell group system, because of small group leaders that we know where our people are and what is really happening to the last person in the church. And we did, it, it, this crisis really helped us to clarify 
how critical the small groups are. And we, we, we learn very quickly that to go deeper, we have to go smaller. Uh, another discovery we made was that without the big events, um, if our people do not have a solid foundation in their personal walk with God, I think the sheep will scatter once we do not have all the frills and trills of modern Christianity. So COVID-19 really have uh, stripped the church down to our irreducible uh, minimum. And it takes a crisis really to uncover our spiritual foundation or, or the lack of it. And there's nothing like a crisis uh, to really drive us back to the basics. Um, I've this, we'd also discovered that no amount of prayer concerts, prayer prompters, prayer campaign can drive people to prayer like a crisis can. And over the last few months, I think there are more prayer power generated across the world than any prayer conference or campaign uh, can do. And what a discovery, you know, we really, uh, this crisis really helped us to create some clarity within our own hearts as to what is important and what is not. No amount of seminars, conferences, retreats can replace a daily need to feed ourselves uh, with the Word of God. So during the lockdown, all our fancy programs are gone. We were really stripped down to personal solitude with God, heart-to-heart -heart sharing, praying in small groups, and learning to feed ourselves with the Word of God. Spending time with our family and then finding ways uh, to, to, to serve uh, people in our own neighborhood. You know, to, those are the things that we have discovered. Everything was simply back to basics. So by the time this crisis end, ended uh, for, for the servant and, and Elisha, the servant of Elisha, I think, will know a side of God that he never knew before. And my prayer is that at the end of this crisis, all of us will also know who Christ really is. You know, and that crisis will create some clarity within all of our hearts as to what is important and what is not. And as a result, the second thing happens, that crisis really help us to reorder our priorities. Uh, in a normal busy life that we all lead, uh, we often have uh, competing priorities and sometimes even conflicting ones, you know, they, they conflict with each other. And in a crisis, we, we start to learn to give priorities to the essential things of our life. And so during this period of COVID-19, I found that I have given more time now to a few key priorities uh, in my life. And uh, if I can just quickly share some of this with you, uh, these are my personal priority rearrangement. Uh, one of them is uh, I discovered that I've given now more time, personal time with God to practice the spiritual disciplines of solitude, prayer, reading, etc. Uh, and minus all the travels, minus a lot of these uh, things that keep me busy, I found I have more time now uh, with God. Secondly, I have a bit more focused time with the family. Now, even though it's online now, we, we do. I discovered that I now have weekly Zoom in with my own extended family overseas uh, because everyone is at home, you know, for change. Everyone is at home. So I have more focused time now with the family. Uh, a lot more think time for myself. Um, this this is uh, so good, you know. I now have more time to to reflect, uh, to read, uh, to take walks, uh, catch up with reading, uh, etc. And I found a little bit more time to add value uh, for others. A bit more time now to think about how to add value to other people. Like I have a lot more mentoring time with my team, uh, with my team team members. 
uh, I even have more time now to catch up with my mentors uh, because now most of my mentors are overseas. They travel all the time, you know, and now I, have, I know that I have more time. I, I can catch them because they are all at home now. Uh, one of them, uh, Pastor Kurt, was, uh, is Edmund Chan, you know, so I, I actually now have a once a month time with him be, uh, over Zoom now because of, of this uh, situation that we are both in. And so both of us don't travel now, so we, are, we have a lot more time to add value uh, to, for others and for others to add value to us. So I'm also thinking uh, about how I can be a blessing to others during this time, so make teaching materials available online, uh, etc. I mean, for, for one thing, I get a chance to speak to all of you today is only because of COVID-19. We've been trying so hard to find a time to, to come, but now we have more time. So that's, that's been uh, amazing. So this, this whole thing about uh, having our priorities rearranged is truly good. So, so one is crisis creates clarity, it reorders our priority. And here's the third one. Uh, this one is a, a bit more challenging uh, for me. Uh, I've discovered that crisis also reveals the fault lines in our life. Uh, this crisis is a great opportunity for us to also examine, you know, where the condition of our own hearts and the fault lines that could be in our own life. And one of the interesting discoveries I made was that before the pandemic, uh, we could very easily use our busyness as an excuse for not doing a lot of things like spending time with God, you know, spending time with family. But then I discovered something, you know, that people always say I have no time to spend with the Lord, for example. But now that we are in lockdown and we do have time, it does not necessarily mean that we will all start spending time with God. Isn't that true? Uh, maybe not, you know. Uh, before the pandemic, we say, oh, due to travels and, and work, etc., I have no time to spend with the family. But now that people are locked down and they're all at home, it does not necessarily mean that they will relish their time with the family. And then suddenly I realized that the problem is not, may not be about a lack of time, but it's a lack of desire. Uh, we always assume that it's because of busyness that we cannot spend time with important people in our life. But now that we have the time, does it necessarily mean that we will do it? It may not be a schedule of, uh, it may not be an issue of our schedule, but it could simply be a lack of deep relationships, whether with God or with people important in our life. And the lack of holy desire, the, the lack of a depth of relationship is a fault line that has always been there, you know, but we never need to deal with it. But now these fault lines are exposed. And, but I, don't think that God exposed them to make us feel guilty or condemned, but he exposed it so that we are now aware and then we can deal with it. And I have discovered that this crisis have exposed the fault lines in, my, in our own lives so that we can now deal with them. And I look forward to the other end of COVID-19, where I trust that we'll all become deeper and we become better people because our fault lines are being dealt with. So that's another thing i another perspective that I've held and, and I've uh, uh, actually using this time to also address some of these hidden fault lines that I don't have to deal with in the past, but now we have to deal with it. And I'll leave you one last one and then we, 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 can, we can chat over this. Uh, I also discovered that crisis uh, uncovers leadership. Uh, in times of crisis, we see people rise also. 
So as much as it exposes fault lines, I think it also exposes strengths. You know, uh, and I, I know that we cannot manage our way out of a crisis, but we need to lead our way out of a crisis. And this is as this is the time where we will see leaders rising. You know, people who see opportunities during the storm, and and crisis brings us out of comfort zone and it takes us into a creative space. Um, during this crisis, I've observed that there are those who choose to contribute rather than to complain. Um, uh, we have uncovered those who are positive rather than negative. We discovered those who choose to make lemonade when they are handed a lemon. And then we see people who are seeking to add value rather than to take advantage. We found out that there are those among us who actually provide solutions rather than lament about problems. And these are the leaders of tomorrow. And I think this is a really good time, whether in the church or in our organizations, to discover and then to develop and then to deploy future leaders uh, when we enter the next season. So I feel that crisis really uncovers leadership. And in this crisis, I found so many people uh, within our own organization you know, that are positive, solution-oriented oriented people, and we are now beginning to discover them. And then we hope to develop and then to deploy them uh, for the next season. And so these four uh, critical perspectives that has helped me navigate this uh, pandemic and try to make the best of it <laughs> during this season. Now, I, I want to finish just by bringing our minds back to Second Kings chapter 6 again. You know, the thing that struck me most in this whole narrative is that Elisha brought encouragement to his servant not by the nice comforting words or just by the ego strokes that he can give to his, uh, to his servant, but he did it by asking God to give his servant the right perspective. And that is why um, I wanted to talk to you about this. And the prayer he prayed for his servant is open his eyes that he may see. And this really informs us that true encouragement comes when our eyes are lifted to see God. And so during the COVID-19 crisis, the most important role I think all of us have to is to turn the eyes of people to see God. He is the author, the finisher of our faith, the answer to our needs. He is a perspective, I think, that our people would need to go through this crisis. And in the middle of the greatest crisis is also, uh, we will find our greatest opportunities. So my prayer for all of us is that we will not waste this crisis, but we will take what the devil has meant for harm we turn it around for God's redemptive purpose. I, I hope that we will not go back to the normal, uh, the old normal, but rather we would enter a new season where we all come out stronger, deeper, better for God's glory. And we should now be really thinking about uh, what things are going to be uh, post-COVID. And these four critical perspectives, I just want to leave with you, uh, that this crisis may help us to create clarity, reorder our priorities, review our fault lines so that we can deal with it, and then make leaders out of more and more people. So thank you for hearing. And I would love to hear your thoughts on this. <laughs> Hi, Pastor Benny. My name is Lily. Uh, you mentioned that uh, this COVID-19 is something that the devil has meant for harm. But uh, what is, uh, it, does it mean also because God has permitted this to happen 
I mean, it is stated uh, in the Bible that nothing happens without God's permission. So I would assume that this is also something that God has allowed it to happen. I mean, I, I can understand that God is sovereign and He He's in control, but I see a lot of those under people living in below the margin, people, the old, the, the poor, the, you know, all this, these poor people living below the line who are mostly the sufferers. Yeah. Thanks, Lily, for that question. Uh, I'm not saying categorically that this is a, this pandemic is a judgment from God or something like that, but what I'm saying is that we do live in a fallen world uh, whole of creation has fallen, and we do live in a world today where there are where sicknesses and disease does happen, and and if God allowed God is, uh, these things has has happened, and God has allowed it to happen, and therefore whatever the uh, if it's due to the fallen the world that we live in, the fallen creation that we live in, but even then, I think God uh, we can turn it around for redemptive purposes. And so that's what I'm saying. And, and there, there will be, there are people who will suffer more from this than others. And there's no doubt about that. But I'm challenging the church to also use this time or use this crisis and not waste it, but allow it to really teach us things, allow it to, we, we look for the opportunities uh, within this, um, you know, negative happening. Yeah. And so that's what I'm trying to communicate here. So I do understand what you're saying. Yes, there are people who are suffering because of this. So I'm not playing down on the effect of that. Uh, Pastor Benny, uh, yes. Isabella here. I, yeah. I would like to know, you know, because after the pandemic, right, there will be yeah. a lot of recovery or maybe people loss of job or people that actually suffering and all this. Yeah. How, as a Christian, how we want to deal with it as, as a church? What are you going to, uh, you know, do uh, after the pandemic? Mm. Uh, one of the things that I'm responsible for uh, in Singapore is the Love Singapore Marketplace track. And one of the things we have just recently set up is a kind of a first response. Uh, mm. uh, I'm trying to, to, we're trying to see if we could have a team of people who could look into um, what are some of the issues that are going to come up and, uh, because of the pandemic? And then how can we respond to it as a church? So there's a team of people who are looking into such things. And the, some of the churches are also beginning to set aside a fund where we could begin to get ourselves ready. And one of the suggestions is to wait until all the stimulus and all the government uh, handouts are over. And that's when the church should really step in to also play a part in meeting, meeting some of the needs of uh, financial needs of people who are in trouble. And there's also a team trying to look into how we can create a directory where uh, we can match jobs, existing jobs with uh, people who are jobless. So I think the church can definitely play a part in, in stepping into the situation and offering uh, resources and, and help in a time like this. Because what, one thing that the church has that is very useful is networking. Because we, we are networked with a lot of people across churches. So we're trying to see if we could do something along those lines. 
and and as a church um one of the best things we can do is of course because we are so networked uh, we we actually are able to tell who are the who are the people with genuine needs and who are the people that may not have genuine needs uh, because we know a lot of people and that is a huge uh, advantage already where we don't have to do so much um, um, due diligence because we are in touch with people that we know has truly lost their job who are truly in need of help so we are working on that right now and i'm sure individual churches can also do that thank you pastor yeah but I, I do think we need to do something and not just uh, watch what is happening. I guess after the pandemic, uh, the, the format of um, between church and, uh, you know, the cell group and all those uh, people will be different. So yes. we actually had another way of uh, connecting to each other. If we can't meet up for prayer uh, in the church, there is actually a Zoom that we can go to. Yeah. So that really um, changed our perspective of how we can get along or get together as a cell group. Mm. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Hey, hi, Pastor Benny. Kirk here. Hi, Pastor Kirk. Hey, so good to see you again. <laughs> good to see you, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Maybe just a, a, a comment. Uh, yes. Thank you. Please thank do. you for the timely word. Uh, I think it's really, really uh, needful for us. Uh, just a thought that, uh, you know, your point about crisis creating clarity, I thought mm. it was uh, really spot on. In fact, it, it almost uh, feeds into the other three points. Mm, mm. Uh, it gives clarity on our priorities, uh, clarity on our fault lines, mm. and clarity on the need for leadership. Mm. Yeah, I think very, very excited to, to hear how the church is uh, leveraging the community in a very healthy way and positive way. Mm. I think that's something that we certainly yeah. need to to do more yeah, mm. at, 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 at this time. Yeah. In fact, yeah. Uh, I'm, I, I'm sure you're also privy, there was uh, some concern that uh, at the onset of the crisis that we were more inward looking than outward looking. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, but one, I think one that, of the... Mm. Go ahead, go ahead, sorry. And uh, one one of the things we we ended up doing was since we cannot like go out and do all kinds of things, we then become more conscious of our own neighbors. <laughs> yes. And I discovered there are people who live on my street that have not even said hello, you know. So yeah. because of this crisis, uh, it happened across Mother's Day. So one of the things we decided to do was to uh, do our whole street, send everyone in the in the family along our street. Uh, a cake and party stuff, you know, mm. party hats and bop, wow. um, those, you know, poppers and all that. And we <laughs> give it to them and say, have a party on, uh, on us, you know. So that created wow. uh, an, a sense of, uh, you know, that even though mm, we connection. can't go out and celebrate, they, we bring the party to them. <laughs> so right. that created the connections that we never had before. Wow. I wouldn't have thought of it until because, <laughs> it's simply because no one else to go to, you know. So we, That's right. we go to people next to us. Yeah. So yeah. it's things like this, little things yeah. like this. You know. So I think it's really, in a way, creating opportunities yes. for, for us. Yeah. Opportunities we've never seen. And I'm sure mm. you're also aware how a lot of churches now are collaborating on the migrant worker front as well. I think there's yes. something a lot has awakened 
in us. Yes, it's just amazing. Yeah. 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 Well, thank just you, amazing. thank you. <laughs> just thank thought you. to share those thoughts. Thank you, Pastor Kurt. Yeah. Hi, Pastor Benny. Um, Hi. So, um, just to recap, like one of the points you talked about was um, mm. like crisis uncovers leadership. So, um, as as believers, you know, we have Jesus Christ as our leader, and and yeah. how can we, um, as believers, then practically lead people, um, out of this crisis, whether it's in our family, in our communities, or even in the marketplace? How can we practically lead people, and be mm. at the same time like reflectors of Christ in this? Yeah. I suppose um, one the one 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 one. Thing that we have that that uh, maybe a pre-believer may not have would be this sense of like this great sense of hope that we have, and our perspective on 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 this crisis can really be very very helpful. Um, and so, if if our words can become uh, positive, encouraging, hopeful that in itself already create an environment in which other people can can find can find encouragement you know and then our actions is the other thing that follows you know that's that that action that is not that that actually want to bless people and this is a great opportunity for us to do it and so our words and our action together i think it's in itself a, a great way of um, leading people already influencing people if you think in terms of leadership as influence then we are already influencing them in the way that they see and perceive this whole crisis uh, I, I think that in itself is is is, is already uh, in, in something that all of us can do whatever positions we may hold uh, in an organization it's about creating that environment that for people to flourish uh, i remember um, having a little breakfast once with uh, Bishop Rani Sponaya uh, some, some time ago and then in that, uh, in, that, in that breakfast he asked me, he said uh, Benny, do you know what is a pastor supposed to do? And I'm, here I'm not talking about just me as a church pastor but all of us as pastors in our marketplace. He said, what is, do you know what a pastor is supposed to do? So I say you, you tell me, you know, you are the pastor of pastors. So this is what he said. He said Benny, our role as pastors is not to is not to overmanage people because we cannot overmanage people but our role as pastors is to create an environment in which people can flourish and the best environment we can create is that of the word and prayer so imagine if you are a pastor in your workplace and in your department whatever it is your role there is to create an environment in which your people can flourish. And the best environment to create is that of the word and prayer. So if we are people who personify the word of God, uh, if we are people who speak life you know, and bring, bring uh, an atmosphere that is positive and hopeful, and then the other is prayer, uh, if we would, we could just pray for people when the opportunity arises, I think we are already influencing people in an amazing way, and that in itself is leadership. Thank you. Thank you so much. Welcome.
Pastor Benny, Isaiah here. Hey. I do have a question. You talked yeah, about please. fault lines. And I think yeah. uh, one of the most challenging fault lines is about parenting and marriage. I think that the COVID has either helped or yes. I think also has caused a lot of strain in this area. And Absolutely. I think there are quite a few married couples and parents on this call. What will right. your encouragement be to manage and work through these fault lines in, in these two areas? Yeah. I mean, the, the situation in different homes are just so diverse, you know, there is no easy answer uh, to that. But however, uh, I would encourage, um, this is the best time, um, let's say for families that are not in, not, not say, if, if they are already in crisis, then I think what they need is help, uh, counseling and stuff like that. But assuming that you begin to see that there are fault lines, but they're not at the, at the place where it's already a fracture, you know, but it's not a crisis yet, but you can see fault lines there. I think this is the best time for us to actually, since we, are, we have a little bit of more time without travel and all that, this is the best time to actually go and do some repair work. Uh, and the good news is that there are a lot of uh, organizations that deal with this sort of thing about uh, marriage enrichment and all that, they are putting all that online for free now. This is the best time to actually go on one of these courses and stuff, like the online courses and all that, and actually get the practical help that we need. Uh, my wife and I, we, we, my wife has been wanting me to go on one of this uh, marriage enrichment thing for a long time. And, you know, I, <laughs> I don't want to go because of all my travels, you know, it always gets disrupted. But now that we are here, I'm, I'm actually together with my wife going on this two equal one, which is uh, one of those uh, organizations that deal with marriage enrichment. We're actually on this right now in the middle of the, of the series. Uh, it has 12 sessions and all that. And they're giving it free for now. So it's, it's a good time for us to actually do that. And, and so I'm actually um, myself going through it with my wife, just because we've got time. And so this is a great time to do that kind of thing, I think. So why don't we encourage uh, our people, families and people in our church, go on some of this marriage enrichment stuff and uh, parenting courses. This is the best time to do it while we have the time. So practically, I Thank think you. we can do that. Mm. Thank you, Pastor Benny. And we do have one question on the chat yes. from uh, Alicia. Uh, she says, with the effects of COVID-19 will be greater and longer lasting than we yeah. expect, with more people unemployed and depressed, and now with other nations going through trouble, how do you keep your hope in Christ when certainty doesn't seem to end? Are there other passages or books in the Bible that encourage you? How do we lament well with others during this time? Mm. Um, I thought that one of the things I am encouraging my church with is actually I, I take them through uh, um, because I see all these also as signs of the end times and things like that and because of that I'm actually taking my people through those some of those kind of, of uh, uh, teachings that they would that is very relevant at the moment and and that actually can help us to see that all this unrest that is going on, they are simply telling us uh, they are birth pangs that we are beginning to see. And we have already been seeing, but it's beginning to see more of and it's intensifying. And if, if, 
the 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 biggest um, comfort I have is to know that all this is reminding us again that Christ is coming again, <laughs> Jesus is coming again, and therein is our uh, uh, that's the blessed hope that we have, you know, and we are the only people who really know what is happening, and and we are not um, and we are not you know. We're not traumatized by it because we know and that the Lord already told us that these things will happen. So in the midst of the uncertainty, uh, we go back to things like Matthew 24. I go back there and I take my people through it that these are the things to look out for uh, during a time like this. And people can see that it is. Uh, and then we, we learn to find our anchor again uh, in, in, in the Lord. So there are scriptures that we can definitely go to, books in the Bible that would encourage us. I'm, right now, I'm personal study is the book of Zechariah because I think it, it speaks about the end and it speaks about what we are going through right now. So yeah, I would encourage you to do that. And it's a good time also to reflect a little bit uh, on what is happening around the world, all the unrest. I'm actually trying to apply my mind to that and uh, writing a little bit about some of these things. What does all this mean for us? So, Pastor Benny, are you uh, starting a, a series of uh, new teaching material on this end time since you are actually going through it? Uh, yeah, we just we actually just finished uh, doing a webinar on that, and I will post it on uh, in another f uh, week or so. I'll post it onto onto Facebook or something that people can access it. Yeah, okay. I'll keep your uh, if you want. I'll I'll keep, let you all know when it is posted. Yeah. Yes. Thanks. Thanks, Pastor. Because the thing is, I think um, if you have actually done the teaching and uh, it will bless us if we actually learn from it. Sure. Yeah. I'll keep you all informed through Isaiah when it's done and you yeah. know where to access it. Yeah. No problem. Very good. Hey, hi, Pastor. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I noticed during these uh, crisis, mm. times of crisis, there are a lot of people because of fear also as well. They yeah. kind of come to, the, to know the Lord. But yeah. uh, when things get back to normal, they tend to move away. So I mean, I do have a few friends who uh, praise the Lord for online services. We are able to mm. reach out to them. They are kind of like coming to know Christ a lot more. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that, that something at the back of my mind is that um, when things get back to normal, uh, they would tend to shy away again and you know like oh mm. I'm, I'm able to deal with everything I don't need Jesus and stuff like that so so I was just mm. wondering like, how could we um, use this opportunity since um, we already have the first step that uh, they have already uh, accepted the Lord how can we strengthen them so that uh, uh, they they would it would help to build them up lah, especially yeah. in this point of time where um we are mm. not really able to physically meet up with them, have a yeah. fellowship, you know, and, and Zoom mm. calls uh, are honestly quite um, tiring for, 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 for them. They might feel very over-pressured by it if you mm. just keep calling them and say, oh, hey, you know, how are you? Uh, yeah. One or two is fine, but if you keep doing it, they will start to like, take a back step as well. So, I mean, yeah. uh, that's, that's mm. the positive. I do see a lot of uh, hearts yeah. being open, and, and yeah. I think that that's what the Lord has in plan for this season. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, um, how do we, you know, like keep keep them in Christ? Um, mm. uh, yeah. 
I mean, I, I know that once they are safe, they are forever safe. But like, how do we keep them uh, rooted in Christ uh, yeah. uh, after mm. this crisis? Yeah. Uh, I, I would say, Mel, that one of the principles we follow in, in, in disciple-making churches is that when a person comes to Christ, if we are doing responsible evangelism, uh, we, will, we will actually take them to the basics of the Christian faith. And this is probably the best time to do it. And for new converts that we have, we encourage them straight away to come into a, uh, a small community, maybe two, three people, and then we start taking them systematically to the basics of the Christian faith. Whatever materials you use is okay, but the point is to systematically put in place the basics so that they know how to have a personal time with God, know how to read the Bible for themselves. We take them through that systematically. And because you systematize it and it's already been uh, put there, uh, it is a natural progression into your, your cell groups. And hopefully, you are already one, once they finish the basics, you would want to channel them into a small group in your church. And once they get into that community, then the chance of them continuing on even after COVID will be higher. And I would definitely say, number one, do responsible evangelism. We nail them down by doing the basics with them uh, in a small community to three people. And then after that, transit them into a connect group or a cell group in your church. I think that would be a very good way of making sure that this continues. And I have a feeling that post-COVID, um, these online services and all that, they are likely to continue. Um, most churches have recognized that their reach is higher if they stay online. So there's a new world coming uh, for the church. I think the church, churches all over the world are going to become digital organizations with a physical location rather than the other way around. Right now, our normal world, our view of church is that it is a physical location and maybe there's a bit of an online presence, but with, with COVID, I think it's going to turn. It's going to become digital organizations with physical location. So the online thing is going to continue. So... I hope that um, whatever new converts we have, we can disciple them and then transit them into a small community. And hopefully they can be also transferred from the on online church into the on-site church over time. I hope that's helpful for you, Mel. Uh, if you need, uh, I'm sure your church would have um, basic materials, but if you don't have, let me know and I'll be happy to point you to some. Sure, thanks, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor. We have one more question from Khan yep. um, in the chat. So he's asking, there are many organizations and I think people asking for financial help. How do we discern which ones to help? <laughs> are there biblical principles to consider? Uh, well, for a start, you, I suppose you have to give as the Lord leads you uh, and put that desire and burden in your heart to give to. Um, but Always good to go and find out what the organization actually do um, so that you can then give uh, where, where it is fertile ground. So it's good to find out what, uh, first of all, let the Lord lead you. Secondly, find out what the organizations are doing, um, how much of your financial help actually goes towards the organization, how much of it actually goes to the, the ministry that they are, the, the people that they are ministering to. And I think those will be some 
and, and always good to do some due diligence if you are not familiar with the organization. I know that there are lots of uh, um, need right now and they are, they are probably very genuine needs because most um, NGOs, most nonprofits are now going through a really, really tough time. So if we can, so if you can do your due diligence, if you can find out a bit more about what they are doing and how much of it actually go into the ministry itself uh, and then let the Lord lead you, I think you'll be, you'll be fine. Yeah. Thank you so much, everyone, for giving me the time. Uh, as I thank you, back Pastor to you. Yeah. yeah, thank you, Pastor Benny, for your time today and for all the questions. Um, and I think it's really great to, for us to just reflect about the point about perspective and, you know, really reviewing the lives that we have and the opportunities. And I do want to share, I know there are some on the call who are at different stages of your walk with God. Some may know them but may not know him personally. Some have been walking with the world very long. But I think whatever the circumstance, is a great opportunity to reconsider life in light of eternity. Mm. Um, yeah. So I, I just want to thank uh, Pastor Benny for, for sharing this uh, uh, message with us. Uh, yeah, so just one uh, thing is that, uh, uh, as I, if any one of you like to be keep in uh, keep abreast of some of the uh, resources that we are making available on online, you can actually just go to Facebook and just look for my public page. I think it's under Pastor Benny Ho. You just look for the public page and then you just, uh, I think you just, I don't know how they do it, but is it you like it or something like that? And then you'll be kept informed of uh, things that we are posting uh, so you can get access to some of these teachings and all that. And we'll keep you informed of anything that goes on. Okay. I think that's the best way. Yeah. Thank you.